Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs and Proverbs in chapter number 16. The book of Proverbs and chapter number 16. We're continuing to go through this series of Proverbs, searching after wisdom and looking at to God for his direction of the principles that he has given and revealed through his precious word. Now we spent a lot of time in chapter 16. Chapter 16 in one of my as a personal preference opinion is one of my favorite proverbs just because there are so many principles to pull out of proverbs in chapter number 16. Once again we find our way in the book of proverbs chapter 16 and look with me together in verse number 25. The book of proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 25 the bible says this, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark, mark that first phrase that we find in the book of Proverbs 16 and verse 25. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. There is a way that seemeth right to a man. And of course, we see the end result of that. They think it's right, but it's going to end them to an awful conclusion. If you don't mind with that idea, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you, we're just asking that you would give us wisdom and that you would give us discernment. Help us to understand this principle and how important this principle really is that there are so many people who honestly believe with all of their feeling, with all of their life, with all of their strength that they are right. However, they'll find out at the end that they were not right and their path is going to end to death and that will be a tragic ending. Lord, I'm asking that you would use this message to give us a wake up, that you would use this message to help us to honestly evaluate ourselves. Lord, that you with your spirit would have full liberty to do as you see fit to draw people to yourself, to open our eyes that we may see. And Lord, that you would help people who have spiritual blindness that they could be able to understand even now. Lord, all of that is beyond my control and beyond my ability, but it is very much within the scope of your precious spirit. So the note best I know how I surrender myself to you to use me as you see fit to get your own work accomplished for the purpose of opening people's eyes, letting them see you high, holy, and lifted up and responding to you and your free gift. Thank you, Lord. And we love you in Jesus name. Amen. The text here in Proverbs 16, 25 needs to be written over every door of every temple and shrine of all the false religions in the world. That there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. 
This phrase becomes so important because to, nobody wants to believe that what they believe and sincerely help believes is going to lead to their destruction. What people believe is I have something that is going to be true towards the end of my life, towards the, my thought, to my philosophy. Everyone believes that they are right. I remember years ago, I was uh, working at a laboratory and was getting influenced with a coworker. And as I talked with a coworker, just having regular conversations during lunch, uh, be able to present the gospel clearly to her. There was a time where we had uh, just full liberty to show her what the Bible had to say about salvation, about Jesus Christ, about heaven and about hell. At the end of the conversation, I said, do you believe what I told you was simple? She said, absolutely. Do you believe what I told you was biblical? She said, yes. Do you believe what I told you was true? And she went, I can't. What do you mean I can't? She goes, I can't believe that's true. Why not? She goes, I was raised Mormon. And I had a teenage son who lost his life in an accident. And according to the Mormon faith, that we believe in what is called baptism for the dead, that we believe that people die and they go to like a holding chamber. And that if we have people that voluntarily allow themselves to be baptized, that what will happen is that enough merit will be uh, given to that child or to the person who died on behalf of them, that they could um, be brought straight to heaven. She goes, if I believe what you just told me, and she goes, by the way, I believe what you told me, it's biblical. I believe it's right. I believe it's simple. She goes, but I can't believe it's true even though I think it is. Because if I believe that what you say from the Bible is true, I also have to believe that my son right now is currently in hell. She goes, because I don't want to believe that. I can't believe what you're telling me. I choose not to. What the heartbreaking thing is, is that she too is going to go to an awful place called hell if she doesn't accept this free gift. Here is a good example of there's a way that seemeth right to a man. I could understand and I could empathize with a lady that she says, I want so much to see my son again. I'm willing to believe something that it may not be true in order to have some sort of hope to see her again, to see him again. I can understand that. And there's a lot of people for various reasons Hold to sincerely help beliefs, but just because you hold them sincerely, because you believe them earnestly, because they feel right, doesn't mean that they're going to bring you to heaven. You understand, in order to go to heaven, it is not how much faith you have. It matters on the object that you place your faith into. And the Bible gives us a very hard warning. There is a way that seemeth right into a man. There is a way that feels right, looks right, smells right, that I believe is right. But what they're going to find out is that their path led to the ways of death. Their way is the way of death. This idea of the way uh, of death is actually mentioned in the book of Jude. We're not going to turn there, but there it describes the way of Cain. It is also another way of saying religion. 
religion. We don't believe in religion. We believe in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Religion is a system of works that people have to do in order to satisfy some religious obligation. We believe in trusting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that he did all the work. But a quick look at the way of Cain will actually reveal five features of all false religions. So as we look at the way of Cain, remember with every proverb, you could put a Bible character with it and look at their life and examine their life and pull out the principles that the proverb had said. If you don't mind, let's look at the way of Cain in the book of Genesis chapter number four. The book of Genesis chapter four and using Cain and the story of Cain and Abel, let's see five principles that are true of every false religion. That there seemed to be a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end ended up destruction. Five principles of false, every false religion. If you don't mind, as we look at Genesis chapter four, let me read the text first. Then we'll go back and make some observations. Genesis chapter four, notice with me in verse one, Genesis chapter four and verse one, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt not, if thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now thou art cursed from the earth, which thou hast opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. With this, we have the story, the historical account of Cain and Abel. And with this, let's look at Cain's way, the way of Cain. And let's see five major features of every false religion found in here. You say, but how does this rely to religion? This has everything to do with religion. You see, you had two people here that were to offer offerings and worship unto God. Both of them gave their best. Both of them did it with a purpose of worshiping God. However, one was accepted and one was not. Why? Because what God had said. Remember that when Adam and Eve had sinned in the Garden of Eden, that they had made themselves fig leaves to cover their nakedness. 
that was not acceptable because of their sin, something had to die. God was teaching that principle very early. And so God killed animals and clothed Adam and Eve in animal skins, showing the principle that because of our sin, for the wages of sin is death. And God gave this as an illustration and had taught them this. So when it came time to worship God, God had demanded a living sacrifice, a sacrifice of a creature who had blood. Both of them were informed. Both of them were given instructions. In fact, Cain had been given the idea of fixing his mistake. But what you have here is a worship that is on trial, worship that's being examined, and we have true religion, true relationship, and a false religion. The first principle that we idea, the first feature we find in all false religions is this. Cain substituted reason for revelation. Cain substituted reason with revelation. Cain rejected divinely revealed truth that God was not to be approached by fallen man except for the sacrifice of an innocent victim. Remember that God is a perfect God and sin has separated us from a perfect God. And in order to approach him, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That because of our sin, there's a death that is required. Cain said, I don't think that's true. I can come up with my own way to get to God. I know that God says for the wages of sin is death, that something has to die. But what if I could come up with my own plan, my own reasoning? By the way, man's reasoning has always come up. That's exactly what religion is. It is a series of reasons, a series of works that a man can do to approach God his own way. If you were to take all the smartest people in history and be able to put them in the same place at the same time and said, all right, here's my great think tank. What I want you to do is I want you to come up with a way for a man to approach a holy God. None of them would have came up with the idea that God had to robe himself in flesh and die among us. That was something that God did. All man would have come up with is that we have to try really hard to be a good person. We have to do this series of steps. We have to do this. All of it would be all entailing what we have to do. And that we can approach God in a different way other than what God had clearly demonstrated and what God had clearly said. Cain said, I'm going to give my best. And by the way, he did. Cain was a tiller of the field. He worked with plants. He was very much in agriculture. When he went to God, he came and said, all right, Abel, you're doing your best. You work with animals. Of course, you're going to give animals. I work in the field. God should be satisfied with what I give him. And that's exactly what man does. God should be satisfied with whatever God would I give him. If I determine that this is my best for worship, God should be happy with it. God should be satisfied with it. But I'm coming up with my own plan, my own way. By the way, that is exactly what religion does. 
They come up with their own way. Throughout the years, different religions have said different things. We know our Catholic friends. They have what is called seven sacraments. Seven things that have to be done in order for them to earn merit in order to go to heaven. We know some of our other Christian dumb friends. They say that in order to go to heaven, you have to be baptized. In order to go to heaven, you have to be a part of the church. In order to go to heaven, you have to do this or you have to do that. Notice that it is all a series of things that you must do. We know that throughout the ages, Martin Luther, who was the founder of the Lutheran church, before he founded that, he was a, a Catholic monk. In order to search for salvation, he would go through the extremes. He said, fasting, I know if I fast and and starve myself from food that God would take pity on me and give me peace. He almost starved himself to death. The other monks had to force feed him because they figured he was going to die. Martin Luther said, I know this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be what is called a flatulent. And I'm going to show that I'm really serious about my religion. And he took a whip and he would go around whipping himself all the time. And he would whip himself so hard and so often that they were afraid he was going to die because the amount of blood that he lost. All of it because he was trying to get God's attention and figured that God would give him peace if he showed that he was really serious about this. Finally, Martin Luther had the idea that I would go to uh, Rome. And if I go to Rome as a good Catholic and go to this Mecca city and, and to go follow whatever steps to go make this pilgrimage that God would show merit. He went there and said, this, this isn't doing anything. They found what was called pilot stairs, according to legend. It was the stairs that Jesus climbed in order to get to um, to pilot for judgment. And according to the Catholic faith at that time, that if any Catholic who was serious about getting to God, they could climb up the stairs, not with their feet, but with their knees. So they would climb up a stair on their knees and they would pray and they would climb up another stair and pray. And it would take a lot of work. And if you can imagine how sore your knees would be, uh, would be because it was stone. And he would climb it and all every step of the way, there was no peace, nothing to be found. But if I could just do something, maybe this next step, this next prayer would give me peace. The next thing he figured he could come to God on his own merits. Finally, it wasn't until he was teaching a class, a Bible class, where he was required to teach the book of Romans and the book of Galatians that he came upon the phrase, the just shall live by faith. And he said, I've been doing this all on my own all of these years when I could have just went to God by faith. The just shall live by faith. Martin Luther accepted Christ as his savior right then and there, not trusting any of his works and everything changed in his life. But here is someone who represents all of religion. I can come to God my own way. I don't have to listen to what God has to say. I can come to God my own way way. Whatever way that religion tells me, I can go to God that way. He had reason over revelation. God said clearly the just shall live by faith, but they did everything else they could but what God had said. A second tenet that every religion has is this. Cain substituted beauty for blood. Cain substituted beauty for blood. When it came time to give their sacrifice, no doubt because Cain was doing his best, Cain's altar was much more aesthetically pleasing. 
Think about this. Fruits and flowers, spices and herbs, color and fragrance was all blended together for maximum effort. If you could imagine someone who was trying to do their best, how beautiful that arrangement would be. To have all the different colors arranged, to put them a lot of time and a lot of care. It probably looked beautiful without a doubt. Someone trying to do their best. It's gorgeous. They have all kinds of effort put into it. Then you look over at the other altar and see Abel's altar. Abel's altar was not pretty. Abel's altar had blood running down it. It had an animal that was killed upon it. It had the fat rolling down on it. It was not pleasant to look at. It was not pleasant to smell. It was not pleasant any way aesthetically to human sight and to human eyes and to human senses. But yet it was what God had asked for. Religion has always been about beauty. Cain's altar has been the forerunner of temples, cathedrals, robes, rituals, all designed to make religion more appealing to the senses. Think about church services where they even come in with incense walking around the church service. Uh, cathedrals that are built, a crystal cathedral. Look how beautiful it looks. Everything is made to be aesthetically pleasing. By the way, there's nothing wrong with making it look good, but to the neglect of the main thing, which is talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. It is by the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That nobody wants to talk about the blood of Christ. The day of the cross of Calvary was an awful, awful day. Whenever someone would offer a sacrifice in the temple, it was awful to hear the animal screams, to, to smell the coppery taste in the air of blood being spilt. It was not pleasant, but it was what God had asked for. People like to take religion and make it look pretty. It's one of the hard reasons why it's hard to argue and fight against religion because it looks good. It sounds good. They try to be good. It looks good, but it's not what God had asked for. Religion substitutes beauty for blood. A third idea that all religions have that we see in the way of Cain is that Cain substituted trying for trusting. He substituted trying for substance, for trusting. Cain's religion was based off of one simple but false principle, works, works. His religion was enshrined with the idea that man can earn his salvation. By the way, Cain was not an atheist. He very much believed in God. God spoke to him. He wasn't a God denier. He believed in God. He just thought that he was, could do and work out his own religion. He sweated and toiled. He worked hard to make that altar look pretty. He worked hard to put it together. It wasn't that he was lazy about his religion. He was all in. But that effort didn't amount to anything because it wasn't what God had asked. 
trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. People love to try to do things themselves. Well, if I do this and I put it together like this and I put it here, they do all of their own efforts rather than trusting the simple thing that God had said. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God has always made things simple. It is us that has made things complicated. And yet today we still have people with their own efforts thinking they could come to God, that they could work out their own religion, work out their own salvation. They could work it out. And God has always said, just come unto me, ye that are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Just come to me. God has always made things simple, but yet we have a hard time because we feel like we have to have a hand in it. We have to help God out. We have to do something with it. That's exactly what Cain did. Abel just obeyed, trusted with what God said. Cain, on the other hand, had to do things himself, come his own way and try to work it out, try to force it to happen. Something else that all religions have as we see the way of Cain is that Cain substituted feelings for fact. Cain substituted feelings for fact. He felt good about his religious efforts. How do you know that feelings were involved? Notice with me verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offerings, God had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. So God accepted Abel's offering, but he said, I can't, do, can't accept this. And Cain is upset. Why? Because he had feelings. He put a lot of effort into it. Man, he's putting this together and he feels good. Oh, look how good this is. Oh, I'm so proud of myself. Oh, this is a lot of effort. Of course, God is going to like it. And when God didn't accept it, he's upset. I put a lot of effort into it. I feel like God should accept it. I feel like God should take it anyways. There's a lot of people who believe that. They believe that God should be satisfied with whatever they give to him, no matter what it is. God should be happy with my leftovers. I know a lot of people. God should be just happy that I showed up to church. Why? You're not doing anything. You're just occupying space. Why should God be happy with that? It's obeying that pleases God, but yet people feel like God... Well, I, I heard someone say this. I show up to church every now and again... I feel like that should be enough. Okay. You see, a lot of people base their religion on feelings. Well, I feel like this is good. I feel like this is the way it should be. I feel like God should be happy with this. And yet it's not based off of fact. What does the Bible say? What does God say about the matter? It matters what God had done. Notice his good feelings evaporated. Now he's upset. Verse number six and the Lord said to Cain, why art thou wroth? Why is that countenance fell? Now, Abel's still alive right now. God went to Cain and gave him every opportunity to fix things. Why are you upset? Just fix it and do it the way I said to. No, you should do it the way that I wanted to. I think you should take it the way I said so. He's upset. He's got feelings involved. People get very emotional inside of religious services. By the way, I'm not saying that we should be stoic. We shouldn't have singing. <laughs> there's uh, be happy in Jesus with a monotone voice. 
I'm thankful for feelings, but things are not based off of feelings. I know there's a lot of people that I've talked with them and said, that's against the Bible. Well, I know it's true. Well, hi, because I feel like it is. But the Bible says it's, I don't care what the Bible says. I know it's true because I feel it. Okay. People have emotions tied into it and it's wrapped up. And if they're not, if they're showed they're not correct, they get immediately upset and mad and antagonistic. This is one of the reasons why there's been so many wars over religion because people have tied their emotions into it because they feel like they're right. And now everybody else has to acknowledge how right I am. Remember, it's only by pride cometh forth contention. His good feelings evaporated and now he is unsatisfied. He is not happy and he's waiting to take it out on someone hurting people, hurt people. Which brings me to a fifth idea that every religion has. That we went with the idea and explained that Cain substituted reason for revelation. That he said, I can figure out my own way. I don't care what the Bible says. That Cain substituted beauty for blood. We don't want that bloody religion. It's nasty and ugly. Let's make it pretty. Let's make everything pretty. Let's make it aesthetically pleasing. Let's get the sense and the, the senses all involved in our service. He substituted trying for trusting. I could do it my way. What can I do to be involved? How can I help out with it? I don't want to just trust God with it alone. I've got to do something. He substituted feelings for facts. This is what I feel is right. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what God says. I feel this is right and everyone should respect my feelings. But here's the last one. He substituted persecution for persuasion. He substituted persecution for persuasion. He was enraged that Abel's offering was accepted and he was not. He hated his brother and all Abel stood for in the terms of divine revelation and blood atonement. Think about this. Cain was too refined to kill an animal, but killing a human, no problem at all. He was too refined to slay a lamb but very capable of shedding the blood of another human who he thought had wronged him because of his feelings. It's almost a contradiction, isn't it? His religion allowed him to murder his own brother. With this, we know that people would rather substitute persecution rather than persuasion. What do we mean by this? That for a long time, the Roman Catholic Church says, we have two swords. We have the sword of the Bible and we have the physical sword. And if you won't listen to this sword, we will judge you with this sword. Meaning that you're going to believe us one way or another. We're going to force you to. Well, that's not the way to win it. The idea of that we have a reasonable hope is what's found in the Bible. I should be able to reasonably explain what I believe to someone and they have the choice to believe or not believe. That's up to them. I don't have to force people to believe like I do. Yet that's been the whole problem with religion for these thousands of years is that people get so tied up in their religion, they feel like they have to force everyone to believe like they do. Why you have religious wars. It's why you have the Muslims who believe that it is their duty to go force everyone to acknowledge that Muhammad and Allah. 
by the way, the Christian dumb religions have not been any better. That's why you have what is awful things called the Crusades. The Crusades were Catholic persecutions upon various people. There were more than just one crusade. There were tons of crusades. There were crusades that went to the Middle East to force those people to believe like the Catholics. There was the crusades that um, went to the other Catholic nation, the Holy Roman Empire, not the Holy Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire, which was the, the Eastern Roman Empire, and they went to go force them to believe like them. They, <laughs> the Roman Catholics had a crusade that went the other direction, went to France to go kill all the Baptist people and all the Jewish people. They just had crusade after crusade, whatever they could do to go kill anyone who disagreed with them. Do you know that when Columbus sold, sold the ocean blue in 1492, that he brought uh, a Jewish person with him, even though it was illegal? In, in Spain at that time, it was illegal, and it was to the penalty of death to, uh, to be Jewish. But yet he brought a Jewish person with him. Why? Because they figured that the uh, natives would speak Hebrew. So they wanted to bring a Jewish person that spoke Hebrew to be able to try to translate to them. They needed him for, you know, translation purposes. But at the same time, it's illegal. They were killing all the Jewish people inside of Spain at the time, in spite of Spain and France. Great inquisitions happened. Another atrocity done by the Catholic religion that if you don't believe like us, we will force you to confess, renounce, and believe like us. By the sword, by the rack, by whatever man of war, whatever punishment we could come up to, we will force everyone to believe. When they came to the new world, didn't help things. That's why we still have uh, Native Americans, indigenous people uh, upset about Christian religions too, because the Catholics came and said, listen, you will believe like us or else. What happens at religion, and by the way, I'm not just picking on Catholics, I'm picking on all of them, Amen. because they all did the same thing. Calvin who was a big reformer. If you didn't believe like him, he would persecute you. He actually drowned some guy in the pool because he said he didn't believe in God, drowned him in a well. Martin Luther, when he died, he said, kill as many Jewish people and as many Baptists as you possibly can. Adolf Hitler loved to quote Martin Luther. It's helped what he justified and rallied the rest of the Lutherans inside of Germany to support his final solution. You understand religion has done so much damage because they believe that they should persecute people to force them to believe rather than persuasion. We as Baptistic type people have always believed in a principle called individual soul liberty that says everyone has the right and responsibility to find God's will for themselves. My job is just the messenger boy. All I'm supposed to do is tell people the truth and then make their own decision based off the truth given to them. I can trust that God can work on someone else's heart. He can do a better job convincing people than I can. My job is not to force you to believe like me. You're allowed to disagree with me. Wonderful. And I'm not going to get mad at you. But that's what the Bible teaches. Religion says you have to believe like me or else. And we see all of these demonstrated in the way of Cain. That's what we find in the New Testament. God goes back and says, you want to know what false religion is like? You go back to Genesis chapter 4 and study Cain. That's false religion. Everything about that. And that's something that the Bible is preaching against. The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. 
anyone who doesn't accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior, unfortunately, will go to an awful place called hell. But that is not God's fault. He has done everything he could to give a free gift to every person. And they have to choose to accept it or choose to go another way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. And yet religion all the time is saying, I could go to God however I want. I could find some other way. I could work my way to heaven. I could force it up there. The simple thing is, is that God has done everything he could, so no one has to go to that awful place called hell. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price of every person. But every person has to make a choice. Do I trust God by faith? Do I trust his promise? Or do I come my own way? There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof is death. So let me ask you, dear friend, a simple question. What are you trusting to get you to heaven? Are you trusting that you said a prayer? That's the wrong trust. Are you trusting because you're a member of a church? Wrong trust. Are you trusted because your parents say they're Christians? Wrong trust. Is it because you own a Bible? Why are you going to heaven? What makes you think you're going to heaven? Is it because you think you're a good person? Is it because you got baptized? Is it because of a catechism? Is it, what is it that you are trusting in? Quite simply, dear friend, any answer other than Jesus Christ and his shed blood is the wrong answer. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God has already given us this free gift. It's either we trust in his word and what he said and believe in him or we try to come some other way. And that other way will wreck us. Do I believe that there are some people who said a prayer that is going to hell? Yes. Because they didn't trust Christ. They trusted in a prayer. They trusted in something else. They trusted in activity. It is Jesus that saves. And it is him that we have to believe on. So with that, dear friend, what makes you think that you're going to heaven? If I was to ask you, if Jesus met you outside the gates of heaven and asked, why should I let you come in? What would you tell him? Would you say, because I'm a good person? Because I go to a church? Why is it that you're going to heaven? For me, there was a time in my life where I realized that I was a sinner. I had someone open the Bible and show them that, show me that I was a sinner and I deserved to go to hell and I didn't want to go there. But that person also loved me enough to take the Bible and to show me that Jesus died for me. And I remember where I was at when I bowed my head and I accepted Christ as my Savior. That prayer didn't save me. Jesus saves me. But what I did during that prayer is I accepted that free gift that he had offered me. And I'm going to heaven because Jesus promised it. And I could trust Jesus. The Bible says in 1 John 5.13 or 5.12, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Why am I going to heaven? <laughs> because I have Jesus. And as long as I have Jesus, I also have life. That's simple. Just believing in him. What is it that you are trusting in God with? Now, it may be that you've been in this church for a long time. Let me tell you, the greatest thing that could happen if you don't know for sure is for you to get it settled. You say, but I'm worried about what people would think. 
Who cares what people would think? But let me tell you, in case you didn't know what people would think, I'm so glad they got it settled. I'm so glad that they got that fixed. I'm so glad that they're able to trust in Christ. That's what the people of this church would say. Listen, what are you trusting in? The worst thing that could ever happen is for someone to be in a church like this and to hear the truth and still die and go to that awful place called hell because you were trusting in something other than God's precious word and promises to us. What is it that you are trusting in? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.